welcome you in on a Friday, and what you just heard was 108 years of prayer finally answered, 108 years of anguish finally out, gone by the wayside, and the last great sports story, finally dead, the Cubs, no more curse, baby, and my Cubs, they finally did it, oh, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't emotional, and it was probably one of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. Probably not one of the most played, well-played games in uh, in America, in any American sports any ever, but probably one of the more entertaining games that's of what, all that's time. That's what gives it its entertainment value. I mean, I, I was telling you this. I, I hope it, like, I was telling you, I hope the Cubs didn't get out to an early lead and they just kind of secure the deal late well, in the game. I, I wanted it to be back <laughs> and forth because that's what makes the most entertaining games. Um, I, I think, I mean, I've only been a sports fan for X amount of years, and I still think that might have been the most entertaining, not even just baseball game, but sporting event I've ever watched. And it, in, it was purely a game, as most of these winner-take-all games are, is who can survive the most mistakes. There's going to be a lot of mistakes, and there were. And who, it was either from, you know, players in the field. I mean, bias comes up a couple times when you think about it, whether it was, you know, managerial mistakes. Did we leave in the right guy at the right time? And, and it was managerial mistakes on both ends. Oh, and, yeah. and errors on both sides that I think made that game you know, the most entertaining game in, in a long time. I mean, the Cubs jumped out to that 6-3 lead off of David Ross Homer, and, you know, it, it's eighth inning, and you're thinking, oh, they're finally going to do it. I remember sitting next to you, I was like, there's four outs away. You know, here I am excited as, as all get up that, you know, they're four outs away, and then Rajai Davis is a two-out you know, two-run homer into the left corner. I just don't the first home run or oldest Chapman's hit. ever given up in a Cubs uniform. Yeah, and I mean, of all the times to give up a home run, that's when it happens. I mean, that that was that said playoff magic right there. Oh yeah, and I mean, it was just the stars had to be perfectly aligned with the planets. I mean, that was the most perfect atmosphere for a game. You had the two teams who hadn't won the two longest droughts in Major League Baseball go into extra innings, and then out on top of that, there's a rain delay. Right. I mean, it, it was just one layer of suspense on top of another. It right. was seriously the most entertaining game I, I think I've ever watched. And I kind of want to talk about that rain delay. For as oh, yeah. much as that happened in all the games, uh, you know, with uh, multiple homers from from Cubs players to, you know, put the game almost out of reach for a little bit, and then you bring in John Lester, and he gives up two, and it's 5-3 all of a sudden. And then, um, but that rain delay. I think that really kind of killed Cleveland's momentum. I mean, they had, the, they had it kind of swinging in their way, and then it, it, it just kind of stopped the pace of play, and it allowed the Cubs to gather themselves. Right, the, that but that that rain delay I think will go down in Cubs lore up there with Bartman and, and Black Cats and and all of the things you remember the Cubs for because, it, uh, so yeah, like you said, the Indians have all the momentum in the world and you know here, here's bottom of the ninth they you they get them out and they they, they trudge on their 17 minute rain delay and you know the Cubs have zapped all, all this momentum's been zapped from the Cubs and now they're just they're just trying to you know survive and. I, I was I at that moment I didn't think they were going to win an extras. I thought you know Rajai Davis or Carlos Santana or somebody would launch a homer and win it for the Indians seven six. And in that rain delay, probably one of the more you know, sports moments that I think all those players will remember besides just that out is they gathered in that weight room with Jason Hayward, and he you know he's having an awful postseason, had just a, a abysmal year by his standards. You know, batting two thirty with only seven home runs for the season, and 
he gathers them all in there and he says, hey, we're, we're going to do it. Let's, you know, everybody calm down. We're still the best team in baseball. Let's get it done. And, you know, nobody was around. No, Joe Madden wasn't there. He doesn't even have, he doesn't have team meetings with players. He has, what, three, he said he's had three in the last 10 years. And so he wasn't even there for that. Theo Epstein happened to be walking by. And he just didn't, didn't barge in. He just sat outside and listened. And he goes, that was the moment I knew we'd win this thing. And you come back out in the top of the 10th and you, you pour on two runs with Ben Zobrist. Uh, and, and that, that might be the more interesting call that I saw from uh, Terry Francona was, why did he rock Anthony Rizzo? Oh, yeah. When, you know, you, you have Zobrist up there and you, you put Rizzo on and then, you know, Cubs hit two runs off of, uh, or one run off of Zobrist, then another off Contreras. You know, that, that might be one of the more questions that Cleveland Indians fans will, will have for Terry Francona, and it would probably make a good spot in Cleveland if the, uh, <laughs> in the 30 for 30 had the Cavs not won the, um, had not won the NBA championship this year. So you, you, you'd look at that and you'd think about that for sure. What if I told you oh, that one team was so content with coming back from a 3-1 lead that it was only poetic justice that oh the other team in Cleveland lost a 3 oh. <laughs> ESPN presents a 30 for 30, yeah, Believeland. A 30 for 30, 3-1. Three, three <laughs> oh. Well, going back to that managerial mishap with Terry Francona, I think the biggest, um, the biggest mistake that he made was leaving Shaw in there to go into extra innings. I think if you would have stuck, if you would have brought Tomlin out at the beginning of the inning, because that's always something um, that Major League teams very rarely do is bring a pitcher back out after a rain delay. Right. And, I mean, granted, it was only a 17-minute rain delay, but still, I mean, you, your body is sitting there for 20 minutes. You're, you're getting tight. You're not loose anymore. And, I mean, you're a relief pitcher. As much as you want to be in the postseason and you're supposed to make every pitch count and you're supposed to go as deep as your body will let you, Mm-hmm. They still had a bunch of other pitchers to go to, and, but the, but this World Series and it, it's always about who the manager trusts more. Yeah, out of his out of his bullpen. And obviously, what you saw in Joe Madden's end was that the only guy who was going to touch that ball was Chapman and and Lester. I mean, you bring in Carl Edwards Jr. and uh, Mike Montgomery. Montgomery, but you didn't see them in Game Six. Oh yeah. So you you think you know Joe Madden. And and Francona, you know, I think they they tense up and they they start trying to make up for mistakes by yeah. making even more mistakes. And, and I mean, when I say that hindsight's always twenty twenty, it's not like I could I could have said that same thing right. watching the game while it was happening. Right. Um, it was just kind of an observation I noticed a couple days later. Um, but going going off more of those pitchers though, I mean, they got to Kluber early, oh, and yeah. that's what that's what I remember sitting there telling you in game what was it, game four that they had to get to him early, and they got up that one nothing lead or one run you know lead, and they blew it in game four. But it, like I said, you had to get on Kluber early, and he he and Andrew Miller looked spent that mm-hmm. they had nothing left in in their tank at all because if you you watch them either both of them started hanging curves and they hadn't done it all series and you know they're trying to blow b- pitches by and they, they can't locate and so at that point it's just you you do all you can to try and win a world series for your team but at some point you, when you're pitching three games in practically you know a, just over a week you know, you're dead oh, at yeah. that point. And There's I, nothing you can do. I, I think on the other side of that coin, if Chicago loses that series, they oh. look back at Game Seven, and oh. I think Joe Madden's <laughs> on the grill because I yeah. mean, you, you have um, you have Kyle Hendricks who was pitching a pretty good game, and then you pull right. him only after what sixty early. pitches. Yeah, and I, he was cruising along. He had a rhythm going. Yeah, he gave up I think a hit with two outs. And, and I mean, so, you leave Chapman in for what three and a third innings. 
Like, uh, he was absolutely spent. He wasn't even hitting 90 by the time they pulled him on his fastball. No, no, not at all. I I mean, (laughs) if if the Cubs lose that game because they either A, left in Chapman too long, or B, because Hendricks, he obviously had a lot more in the tank. Yeah. Then I think this is a very different situation. I don't think Cubs fans would be calling for Madden's head, but no. it, it definitely would have been one of the most interesting. It would calls just it would have just added in, to another yeah. chapter of a yeah, <laughs> the same old Cubs. Misery. Oh yeah, that's how I felt when Rajay Davis hit that one. I go, you gotta be kidding me! It's the closest I've ever felt to you know how my team's gonna do it. And then you know they blow one over the left field corner, and that like I, I tweeted that out was that I was at three outs away feeling, you know, you get those butterflies in your stomach, you're like, oh, they here they come, and then when he launches that, I went to that same old Cubs feeling that they're just gonna blow it again because that's that's what they do, and you know the last thing, uh, other things about that game too, Baez was off his game. I thought, I mean, he hit that one homer, but on the field, you know, he tried to get too flashy. I don't know if that's a little bit of nerves or you know, that's a young team. And, oh yeah, uh, it's a little bit of nerves, and, and you you kind of expect almost mistakes to happen. And they it was just who, like I said earlier, it was just who could survive the most mistakes. And it, in this case, it was the Cubs. And you look back at Cleveland, and they they blow a three one lead. They're gonna be they're gonna be kicking themselves. I think. I mean, that should give them motivation. But you know, give the Indians props. They got there without their best player in Brantley. He was gone oh, yeah. for the season, and then you. have without their two best pitchers. They were gone, too. And so you had that rotation for what they did to build a 3-1 lead in the World Series Oh yeah, against the best team in baseball. And I think, I think you're that. right. That is going to put a chip on their shoulder because I, I see a lot of the 2014-2015 Royals in that club. I see, they're yeah. a very young team, and they're very hungry. And being there but getting oh so close and coming so far and losing in a Game 7 hmm. is going to feed them for the rest of the season. And I like their chances of coming back next year. And you know what? You might get... Cubs versus Indians again because the Cubs aren't going anywhere. No. The Cubs could be the next dynasty in baseball. Yeah, and the, they, I heard it said was that they could be the next, they could be the Yankees, the NL. Oh, yeah. I could definitely NL. see that because uh, you look at their contract structures. I mean, really, the only person leaving, I think, is who, who could be leaving. Is that Dexter Fowler? Uh, possibly, yeah. I'm sure maybe a couple guys will move. I mean, they obviously won't have David Ross. He's retired. Yeah. Um, so someone else will have to catch John Lester. <laughs> well, you're getting Schwarber but, back. Yeah, you'll have Schwarber back. Um, I mean, Contreras is good. Contreras would be good. Russell, I don't you know, know, Baez. What's the chances of Miguel Montero ever catching a game? Because he's getting up there in age, too. Um, I, it'll probably be used sparringly, I think. Yeah. yeah I haven't really... Right now, I'm not really thinking too far ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going uh, no, to enjoy no that moment. No but they'll be they'll be good for years. I think for the next ten years, the Cubs will be there, and they should be a favorite. You know, every couple of years, and you're gonna probably grow to hate me. You won't have pity for me as a Cubs fan anymore because you can't. It'd be hard for you to make those jokes because you can't make them this year because you know they uh, oh, they yeah. finally snapped the streak, and and you'll probably grow to hate the Cubs like you do the Red Sox and the Yankees and and the Cardinals and it, that you know it, it's gonna be. Um, it's going to be a good thing to see over the next few years. But when we come back, we'll break down MSU football's, you know, is it going to be another loss? Can they finally get a win? Yeah, they, they should be favored. They are favored. They should pull out a win on the road in Illinois. But who knows with this team we haven't seen. The only fight we've seen is uh, against Michigan and Notre Dame, and those are weeks apart. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they can do. We'll talk about it when we come back.
Welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you along. We're cruising along on a Friday afternoon. And I don't know if you knew this, but there's a f- uh, football game going on tomorrow. Uh, you you kind of want to keep it. They probably zoned out. It's basketball season now yeah. around here. You uh, you want you want to keep that broomstick in the corner of your eye because let me tell you, if Michigan State loses this game, they need to clean house. Oh boy, I don't like to call for people's jobs, but you can't lose to Illinois. You can't lose to a team with the can't, same record can't as lose you seven in a because row. you shouldn't be in that position to be losing your seventh game in a row. That that would be if they lose this game on Saturday. That would be Michigan State's first time losing seven in a row since 1982. And that's the longest losing streak in in school history since I, I believe in the 1910s they lost all nine of their games one season. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if you hey, look, Michigan State I think opens as a ten point favorite, nearly nine nine. You know they're getting they're still getting respect even though they've been self immolating since what since week yeah week three. Almost they they haven't looked good against any team but Michigan lately, and like I said before, they seem to pick and choose when they want to show up, and it, it, it I mean it, it should be unnerving to Spartan fans that you know when you go, you know twelve and two and you've lost what three games in the last five years or five games in the last three or something less, and then you you come back this year and you lose six straight with a team that's supposed to have a deep, you know it's supposed to have depth everywhere you look right. And it was supposed to have a quarterback that, you know, learned the system five years to just be able to step in his shoes. You know, we nobody expected Tyler O'Connor to be Connor Cook, but they expected, I think a lot of people expected better than what they've seen. And now you have this rotating quarterback carousel that's just, is it O'Connor? Is it Lewerke? Is it Terry? And well, it's, it's just not going, Lewerke anymore. It's not Lewerke anymore because, you know, he broke his leg. He's out. And now you're, you're just going to see... Is it can Tyler O'Connor step in and can he deliver the rest of the season? I mean, he's been a more than adequate quarterback. He's been able, he's been able to make his throws. He's been able to make his reads. He's a serviceable guy. He's nothing. He's nothing flashy. He hasn't. He isn't Connor Cook, and he hasn't been. Um, he hasn't been anything you know overly special. He's just been. He's just been flat out good. And it, I saw this interesting stat on him was that, in terms of when every time Michigan State does a play action pass. Um, he's considered the best quarterback off of play action passes in the country. And so it's kind of, um, you, you kind of wonder where Michigan State, you know, is that a meaningful stat? Is it a meaningless stat? I mean, obviously, you know, oh, maybe they should run that more, you know, play action a little bit more, maybe they'll throw off. Um, but you know, can Michigan State beat Illinois this weekend? I, I think they do, and I think they win, you know, maybe by – by 14 at the most, probably anywhere between 14 to 7 points, I would say. Because they're flat out, like Michigan State has just been, you know, the wheels have fallen off for Michigan State, but Illinois has just been flat out bad the oh, whole yeah. season. I don't I don't want to bring the transitive property, pr- property into this, but the way MSU played against Michigan and the way Michigan beat up on Illinois, I, I wouldn't even be content if they won by 7. I think they should win this one at least by 10 because Illinois is really banged up. They don't have Westlunt. They're down to their third-string quarterback. Hmm. And I, there's just every foreseeable thing. Illinois is really banged up right now. If Michigan State doesn't win this game, I can't come on these airwaves and tell you that everything's going to be okay because it really isn't. Like, you, you would have hit rock bottom. The, right. only, the only way you could hit bedrock at this point would be if you lost <laughs> to Illinois and you lost to Rutgers. Oh, yeah. You know, if they went 2-10, oh. this place, I think, lights itself on fire. Oh, yeah. Um, because you, you can't go from winning the college football playoff to going 2-10. and 10. Even mm-hmm. on down years for programs, they're not going 
winning two games in the first then that they're the first two games of the year michigan state's always been good in november um i could see them i could see them winning the three of the four i could see them giving a game to penn state Mich- the michigan game i think gives uh I don't know what that was. Um, if you, you're looking at the Penn State game after watching them play Michigan, you, it makes Penn State more of a – it's going to be a closer game now than I thought. I thought Penn State would win that by at least 10. Um, you know, it makes me think that that might be more of a toss-up because Penn State's not very good either. And so you're thinking about it. You know, Penn State, I mean, obviously has just one loss to the Big Ten. They're able to beat Ohio State. Um, Michigan State, you know, always plays Penn State tough. So you, you'd think that would be a closer game, but, you know um, – can they beat Illinois? I think they do. Casey, do they the, should. They, do you think? Do you think out of every out of what you've seen, can Illinois though? Can they beat Michigan State? I mean, they can, but it would take so much to go wrong. I the O line would just have to lay an absolute turd on the floor. Right, and, they've been, and the offensive line has been good the past two weeks. The, and the past few weeks, they've also been able to kind of establish a run game. Because L.J. Scott's getting back on his feet, and he's making plays. And the defense has really kind of been holding their own. If they played the same way they did against Michigan, right. I could see MSU winning by 14, 17. Yeah. If, they, if, they were, if, play, if they had played the same way they played against Michigan, they'd be 5-3 and three right now oh, instead yeah. of 2-6. and six. Or 6-3, and three maybe. Yeah. So, well, uh, um, we've got some other sports around here. MSU, they had a basketball game, uh, depending on... How you look at it, uh, 2-0 in the exhibition really means nothing. Um, they played Michigan Tech, and they also played SVSU. And they won both of those games, but they didn't win by a large margin. Steven, is that concerning that they didn't blow these two teams out of the water? Um, in, in a sense, you think, oh, maybe they should have um, blown them out a little bit bigger. Maybe their defense is there. It's a young team that, um, you know, you want to taper expectations right away. I mean, obviously that team is... T- a uh, ton of talent when you look at Miles Bridges and and who they have coming back and with the addition of Bridges and Cassius Winston and and you know the Aaron Harris back again and you look you want to look at that team and go hey they they're good and they're gonna be good but they still have to develop and I don't know if they've you know really figured out you know defense wise just yet I mean they're without Gavin Schilling and and Ben Carter now and so a lot of it falls on to, to guys that you know, weren't the guy before. So it falls on to Nick Ward now, and it falls on to Kenny Goins to be backing up at the, um, you know, back in the post. So you'd think, is it concerning? Uh, not really, because they're exhibition games. So they're trying a lot of things that they wouldn't try normally. In, in, in you know, obviously when they open up against Arizona, they're not going to be, you know, probably as lax on defense as they were perhaps against Northwood and, um, and Saginaw Valley. So, Looking at it, I, I'm not too concerned just yet, but if they were to somehow get blown out by Arizona by, like, you know, 30, then I would be, you know, then you raise some alarm bells there. Oh, but yeah. if they, um, I think their defense, you know, they'll respond with, um, they'll respond in bigger games. And, you know, Izzo's, Izzo's, Izzo, you know, they're going to be able to correct it, I yeah. think. I, I don't really have any issues here so far. Uh, Izzo has always done an incredible job at getting his teams ready. Um, maybe not necessarily during the regular season, but one, certainly once Big Ten season gets rolling and mm-hmm. w- once you're nearing the tournament time, really there shouldn't be an issue, especially with the gauntlet. They're going to be playing some of the toughest teams in the country. So that means come Big Ten time, they should look very impressive. Right. Um, 
But I, I think the biggest thing, if you're going to take anything away, is the amount of turnovers. Because that, that just tells you that there's rust that needs to be shaken off. And right. they, they were kind of working Chemistry on that. Chemistry that needs to be Miles Bridges, out. he had four turnovers. So did, um, so did Aaron Harris. And then Kenny mm-hmm. Goins had three. And then so did Cassius Winston. Oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, those, those are some of the guys that you're going to be relying on. Right. And, and so you can't have them combined for 12 or 18 turnovers. Right, exactly. And um, I think... That that stuff gets smoothed out as the team gets to, I guess, know each other a little bit better. Yeah. Once they, now they're playing in games that matter. So, you know, if they're playing against each other in the spring and, you know, they're playing against each other all summer, you know, it's really not it's really not your games where you build that chemistry. You're building the chemistry when you actually step on and put on that jersey for once. So, you know, I think they... I think those are things smoothed out by getting to know each other a little bit better on the, on the court and, and playing in real game situations. So, you know, that, that stuff gets smoothed out throughout the season. Do I think that they'll have a tough time with Arizona and Kentucky and Duke? Yeah. I oh, think, yeah. I think those games will be... I think they win one of those three games. I, if, they, if they can pull out two of those three games, it would be phenomenal. Oh, if yeah. they win just one, it's a good thing they go on three. It still don't hit the panic button just yet because of how early those games are. Oh, yeah. But, Michigan State will be Michigan State will be good. I think you know they they have the talent. It's there and it's going to develop. And it was Miles Bridges. Is he probably? I haven't. I don't know if he's capable of taking over a game. I mean, he's been very good against you know lower lesser competition. And if he takes over, you you'll really see what kind of player Miles Bridges will be when he plays those teams like Arizona and Kentucky oh, yeah. and Duke. And even in the Big Ten season, you'll probably even get a better feel for him. So um, I'm not worried about Michigan State basketball just yet. Yeah, and uh, I mean. MSU football, they might be out of the hunt, but there is there is an MSU sport here that is in the playoff push, and that is the MSU soccer team, a team I got to cover last year, a team that had a very down season last year. But they're back this year. Uh, Damon Rensing, taking his team to the job. Big Ten tournament multiple times, taking his team to the NCAA tournament multiple times, and they're a ranked team, so it, this isn't the end of the year for them anyway. They have a game against um, Penn State on Sunday, and then, I mean, the ultimate thing is presumably if they win that game, knock on wood, um, <laughs> they'd be playing probably Maryland. And Maryland is Oof. the number one team in the country. Yeah. Uh, they played Maryland earlier in the year. They only lost 2-1. to one. Okay. And, uh, it, I mean, it was a really encouraging game. The Spartans really are. They, they're full of fight. They're full of grit. And they never, they always kind of nag you, which is what you really want out of a competitive team. Okay. Um, can they win the Big Ten? I don't know. Um, cause Indiana's a really good team. They're the number two seed and Maryland's a number one seed. Maryland is probably the best team in the country. It wouldn't surprise me if they made it all the way. Right. But with that being said, this is the first game, first big 10 tournament game they've had at Michigan state in a long ever. time. Right. That was ever. And jeez. um, so yeah, if you're listening to this and don't really have anything to do on a Sunday, go and join the Red Cedar Rowdies. Right. That's a lovely student section over at DeMartin Soccer Stadium. And go and cheer on your Spartans. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I, well, come tournament time, I think they could make it to the Elite Eight because so? of the of the competition they played all, all this year and the way that they've performed. Uh, you get guys like Ryan Sirikowski leading uh, the team in goals and leading up there in the Big Ten. You get Jimmy Haig, who... Has done an exceptional job at replacing um, Bennett, who was, mm-hmm. the, I, I believe he's the MSU all-time leader in saves and all-time okay. leader in wins. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, you get guys, you get a young core of guys like Giuseppe Barone and his brother, and they're it's just a really core of good guys. And this team is really young. And they'll and, be good again. Oh, I could see them taking I, a step above next they year. They might. They may even upset Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. That, I, that, I, that would, would be, if if they played them close two to one. There's definitely a chance now. It's not like they got blown out three nothing. Yeah, and, so. and I, I, the thing is, they they played Maryland at Maryland last right. time, and it's going to be the same thing. Um, because the, the the way the Big Ten is set up for soccer is every team gets home field advantage. Okay. Um, so, like, that's why MSU is playing at home because they're the number four seed taking on number five, Penn State. And if they can go out and <laughs> go to Maryland, I mean, that, that could be probably one of the biggest upsets in college soccer. But, yeah, uh, I think that'll do it for our talk about MSU soccer and MSU basketball. When we come back, we got a pick segment for you. Welcome back on a Friday afternoon. It's the best part of the week. It's time for the picks. Casey, take it away. All right. Well, game number one, we're talking about national games here. 3.30 p.m. kickoff, number 18, Oklahoma State, 6-2, and 4-1 and one in the Big 12, taking on Kansas State. It was 5-3 and 3-2 three and three and in the Big 12. Kansas State favored by two and a half points. Uh, what t- who do you got, Steven? Um, I do see I do see Kansas favored there, but I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Um, bucking my uh, I hate o- Oklahoma State after they lost to Central uh, little charade there. So give me give me the Cowboys uh, over Kansas State in this one. Um, I couldn't tell you a single thing about Kansas State, and so <laughs> I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to pick OK State because they're OK by me. Oh, Game number two of, of the national picks, also a 3:30 kickoff. TCU four and four, two and three in the Big Twelve, taking on number seventeen Baylor, your favorite school. Uh, I know you you're lined up to transfer there. Oh yeah, uh, they're six and one and three and one in the Big Twelve. Baylor favored by eight points. Um, I hate Baylor, but TCU is just bad. So give me Baylor in this one. Uh, they take care of business. Uh, take care of business. This game used to be actually good, but give me Baylor in this one. Yeah, TCU is four and four for a reason. They're not good at all. Um, Baylor, as much as I hate to say it, they are good. Um, I, uh, yeah, uh, give me, give me Baylor. Um, there's, that's all I can really <laughs> say about that. Um, game number three, also three thirty. number 11, Florida, six and one, four and one in the SEC. They're looking to take on Arkansas, the Razorbacks. They're five and three and one and three in the SEC. Florida only favored though by four. Uh, Florida continues not to let me down when I pick them. So give me Florida in this one. I know a kid who plays for Florida. Give me Florida in this one over Arkansas, though I do like Arkansas uh, as well. I think Florida just beats them out on this one. I've never had good luck picking with Arkansas this season. The Razorbacks just aren't on my side, uh, which kind of puts me at a crossroads here. But I think Florida takes care of this one, no problem. I think it's Florida by a touchdown. Game number four of the afternoon. 7 p.m. Uh, NC State, they'll be hosting number 22, Florida State. The Seminoles come into the game with a 5-3 and three record, 2-3 and three in the ACC, while NC State is 4-4 four and 1-3. Four and and uh, I'm sorry, Florida State favoring that one only by 5.5. Uh, NC State loves to play spoiler and uh, ruin team season, but when you already have three losses, you're not playing for a conference title. So give me Florida State in this one. I do think NC State does keep it a little bit closer than people think, but give me Florida State. Oh, yeah, NC State, they kind of nagged on a... Uh, the Clemson, mm-hmm. and but they weren't really any problem for Louisville. 
But I think Florida State, they're kind of a lesser team than those two programs, and I think they kind of are a thorn in the side. But I think the Knolls, they, at the end of the day, they're going to get the job done. Uh, so give me Florida State in that one. And then the last game, Uncle – I almost said Uncle Urban. It's not Uncle Urban. It's Uncle Nick. <laughs> Uncle Nick. Uh, Uncle Nick, the varsity team, 8 o'clock, <laughs> taking on number 13, LSU. Bama, the number one team in the country, the Crimson Tide, 8-0, 5-0 in the SEC, taking on the Tigers, who are 5-2 and 3-1 and and in the SEC. Alabama only favored by a mere seven and a half. That's a close game uh, <laughs> in terms of spread for for the Tide. That's probably playing into the Tide's inexperience with some young guys. But give me Bama on this one by more than a touchdown. Give me uh, at least 10 points, maybe even 17. I think LSU uh, plays tough against Bama as they pick and choose who they like to show up for as well. Uh, give me Bama over the Tigers in this one. Well, you know, by the transitive property, if uh, LSU pulls off the upset, that means Wisconsin could beat oh, Alabama. Um, but let's be real here. Let's put on. Let's let's get back down to reality because that's never going to happen. Um, give me Bama probably by ten. Over to the Big Ten slate. Our first game of the week. We'll give you Iowa going down to Happy Valley to take on number twelve Penn State. Iowa five and three, Penn State six and two. Penn State favored by a touchdown. This one a seven thirty kickoff down in Happy Valley. Casey, well, you know Penn State, they're really trying to save their season. Uh, while Iowa, they've already got three losses. Uh, Penn State really has something to play for. So I think the Nittany Lions take care of this one, and they're at home. So I'd give the advantage to the number 12 Penn State Nittany uh, Lions. I think this one is definitely an interesting game to watch this week. I would definitely pay attention to this. I think Iowa uh, loves can play upset bid here, but I do think Penn State ekes this one out only by a field goal. Game number two of the week, number eight, Wisconsin traveling down to Evanston, taking on the Wildcats, who uh, both teams beat Michigan State. That's just a reminder for everybody out there. Number eight, Wisconsin getting seven over Northwestern. This one, a noon kickoff down over there in Evanston. Casey, who you got? I'm really kind of curious as to why the spread's only seven points because I think Wisconsin kind of opens the door on Northwestern. Northwestern is a good team that likes to compete, and I think it was kind of a fluke that they stuck with Ohio State. Um, but Wisconsin is definitely the better team here. I got Wisconsin probably more than seven. Uh, give me the Badgers as well. I think this one becomes a grinded-out game, but the Badgers pull away in the third quarter. Give me Wisconsin in this one. Game number three on our slate, Nebraska, number 10 in the country, going down to Columbus to face the number six Buckeyes. Ohio State with one loss. That was a Penn State. Both teams 7-1. and one. It was Nebraska coming off a loss to Wisconsin in Lincoln. This one an 8 p.m. game down in Columbus. Ohio State, they're saying they're going to open a can on them. Ohio State got 17 in this one. Casey, who you got? Well, Nebraska's a really good team. Ohio State's a really good team. But Uncle Urban's not going to lose at home. He's not going to lose everything he's put up to stake for this season. And I think that Ohio State wins this game not by 17. It's going to be more like 10. The only teams to beat an Urban Meyer coach team uh, while he's at Ohio State, just Penn State and Michigan State. So give me um, Ohio State in this one. And then game number five, Stephen, who, who is it? Oh, game, it's game number four, buddy. Oh, don't sorry. jump the gun here. Uh, you gotta, oh, Jesus, buddy, come on. Don't jump the gun on me. Number Maryland going down to number three, Michigan. That's an, obviously in Ann Arbor. 3.30 p.m. game. Michigan getting 31 over former defensive coordinator DJ Durkins, Maryland Terrapins. Casey, do, you re- do I really need to ask you who you got in this one? 
Well, I just like to say that they're the varsity team. Uh, oh, it geez. always likes to stir the honey pot a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Maryland played a tough game against Michigan State. Michigan played a tough game against Michigan State. But uh, yeah, there's clearly a superior team here, and that is the U of M Wolverines. Give me the Harbaugh's by probably 31. Uh, I, will, I will take Michigan to cover that spread as well. Michigan wins this one. Yep, exactly, by 31. And our final game of this weekend, Michigan State, this 2-6, and six, the lowly Spartans heading down to the lowly Illinois fighting Illini. Michigan State getting 7 in this one. Well, it was about 10 earlier in the week. This is a noon kickoff on ESPN News. Um, Casey, who you got in this lowly showcase? Let me tell you, if the JV team loses to the freshman team, then there's something wrong here. <laughs> and... Uh, Heads will roll. I, I, I have a hunch here that if Michigan State loses this game, then there's going to be a little bit of cleaning house going on. And so I don't think that's going to happen. I think Michigan State is coming off with a little bit of electricity from last week. And uh, I got the Spartans probably by 10. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Michigan State will get the job done down in Champaign. I do think Illinois has a chance to beat Michigan State, though Illinois is just bad. It's just because Michigan State has been able to show me much of a consistency week in and week out. Michigan State, I do think, wins this one by... I'll go, I'll go 13. Michigan State wins this one by 13 in this one. Though, keep your eye on a possible upset from the Illini. That will do it for our picks. I'm Stephen Ochansky. That's Casey Harrison. And... We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Any final thoughts, Casey? Uh, no, just remember to check us out on all of our social media. You've heard it before. If you listen this far into it, you, you definitely know who we are. Um, and, yeah, everybody have a safe, happy weekend. And go MSU. We'll see you all on Tuesday.